Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number six of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Canobio, and boy, do we have a show planned for you today. On the program, David Lemieux calls in. He fights December 16th against BJ Saunders for the WBO middleweight title. We'll talk to David, get his thoughts on that fight. A very important fight for David Lemieux. We'll also talk to the one and only Freddie Roach, of course, trainer of Manny Pacquiao and uh, Miguel Cotto as he gets Miguel Cotto ready for the final fight of his career this Saturday at Madison Square Garden versus Saddam Ali. And rounding out the show, we have for you Tracy Morgan, of course, comedian, actor, superstar. Tracy Morgan calls into the show. I'm really looking forward to that interview. Had a chance to meet him at the fight, at the Kovalev fight this past weekend at the Garden. And uh, I saw him across the ring, and I said, I got to, first of all, I got to get a selfie with Tracy Morgan. Got that. And then uh, I think it was just divine intervention uh, when we were leaving the Garden, uh, me, my brother, and my dad. Uh, after our CompuBox duties were complete, we're walking to our car, and we see this giant Rolls Royce, and we say, oh my God, there he is, that's, that's Tracy Morgan again. Go, we talk to him. Long story short, he gave us 10 minutes of just talking about Kovalev's uh, jab feint in his right hand, and I asked him, would you want to come on Inside Boxing Live? And he said, sure. So uh, looking forward to Tracy Morgan, as well as uh, Lemieux and Freddie Roach. So absolutely jam-packed show today for you here on Inside Boxing Live. Don't forget... Leave your comments in the comment section. I don't know which way it is, but leave them. The comments, we'll get to them. Tweet us at CompuBox using the hashtag IBL. I want to hear from you, the fans, because this is the show uh, for the fans. But Saturday night, we saw a uh, we saw the crusher Kovalev back to what he does best, and that's crushing opponents. He dismantled Shabransky. Maybe he could have stopped that fight in round number one. But he came out and got the uh, the TKO victory in uh, two rounds over Shabransky, who was clearly overmatched. But Kovalev did what he had to do. He came in there, got the job done. He was going to the body more, which I liked. He was uh, looked a little more composed. He looked a little more calculated and uh, a little more at ease. I know after the fight, he had some great quotes saying that, for three years, I was the world champion of drinking. You know, I was the drunk champion of the world. So apparently he's, gave, he's given up drinking. And partying, and uh, you know what? His career is rejuvenated. He lost two very close fights to Andre Ward. Nothing to hang your hat out about. But uh, Sergey Kovalev back in the picture at 175. And after the fight, you know he called out pretty much everyone in the division. Uh, Dimitri Bivol was at the fight, uh, wearing rocking the nice turtleneck blazer combination. He wants to uh, get in the ring with Kovalev. Uh, Sullivan Barrera, who fought on the card, he picked up a win over very. Uh, battle-tested uh, opponent there, and that was a great fight on the co-main event. Uh, you got Artur Beterbiev, you have Adonis, of course, Chickenson, or Adonis Stevenson, or Chickenson, as uh, Kovalev likes to refer to him. He brought them all up, and you know what? The 170-pound, 175-pound division, it's much like the 160-pound division right now. A lot of moving parts, a lot of different champions. Most of them at 175 are under the same network and the same uh, promoter in uh, main events. Main events is in a very good spot here at 175 with uh, Kovalev, Baval, Sullivan, Barrera. You might have to, you know, make some deals to get a better BF fight or, of course, Adonis Stevenson. I mean, that fight hasn't been made. Will it ever get made? So, you know, Stevenson 
might be uh, the odd man out, and that's his own doing. That's a whole story uh, for another day. So great performance uh, from Sergey Kovalov Saturday night at the Garden. Some other news in boxing. Uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, calls out uh, Conor McGregor. Uh, interesting to hear from that. We'll talk to Freddie Roach later, get his thoughts on uh, Pacquiao. What's next for him? Is he going to quit being a senator? Because I know I read something that Pacquiao's getting tired of all the, pol- the politics of politics. Uh, and uh, calls out McGregor. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Joshua Parker talks are ramping up. Uh, I know Eddie Hearn. We've had him on the show. And Eddie Hearn is looking for a fight for Anthony Joshua before he gets in the ring with Deontay Wilder. Uh, Joseph Parker would be a very nice uh, tune-up fight. I want to say tune-up fight because Joseph Parker is a champion. But uh, Parker-Joshua would be a good fight. And uh, that's a fight that's ongoing. I did not know that Parker, uh, Bob Arum, has a piece of Joseph Parker. So you throw Bob Arum into the mix here. It'd be interesting to see how Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum, do they play nice? Because I know that Eddie Hearn said he's willing to work with any promoter, any network, as he makes a matchroom boxing a thing here. Uh, in the U.S., but we are also entering the final month of 2017, which has been a dream year for boxing fans out there. I mean, I, there's no complaints really from boxing fans. I mean, I feel like boxing fans are always going to complain about something. And there's always something worth complaining about in boxing, but for the most part, 2017 has been very good to us boxing fans. But we're entering the last month of 2017 with some big fights still on the calendar. We still have uh, Lomachenko versus Rigonda now. December 9th at the Garden on ESPN. That fight's going to be outstanding. I was at the theater on Saturday for Kovalev. They're going to pack that place out. I mean, they probably could have done it in the big room, just a lower bowl, got maybe 10000 for that one. But that's going to be electric. You got Saunders Lemieux. Just spoke a little bit about that. That fight is super interesting in the 160-pound division because of Saunders' belt coming over to fight in the States on HBO. Should uh, Lemieux win that fight, he gets himself right into the picture, maybe going up against a Canelo or a rematch with Triple G. But we have to talk about here on the first segment of Inside Boxing Live. Miguel Cotto, final fight of his storied career, goes down this Saturday, December 2nd, on uh, live on HBO. We will have Freddie Roach in a moment to talk about the fight and uh, everything about that. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Miguel Cotto. Um, What an unbelievable career. I mean, you just have to just tip your hat at Miguel Cotto as you take a look at the uh, fighter resume for a fighter such as Miguel Cotto's stature. You know, first Puerto Rican fighter to win four titles in four different weight classes when he, you know, when he beat Sergio Martinez at the Garden to get that middleweight title. History-breaking night. At the Garden had so many history uh, making nights at Madison Square Garden. You know, 20 title fight wins. That is just staggering. Think about that for a second. 20 title fight wins, 16 KOs. Of course, this, you know, so many fights at the Garden. I'll talk a little bit about my personal uh, notes about Miguel Cotto being from New York and being able to go to so many of his fights as a kid uh, till now. And um, in his last fight against Kamagai, I mean, it was just. A barrage. 251 power punches. That's insane. So uh, Miguel Cotto going out on top. Uh, he looks to go out on top. It wasn't, you know, people were upset with the, with the, you know, the opponent in Saddam Ali. There were a lot of other fighters that were looking for to fight him. You know, Mikey Garcia or, uh, Errol, not Errol Spence. So Mikey Garcia looked to get in there uh, with him. Who's the guy I'm thinking about from, from England? Kel Brook. Thank you, Bob. Kel Brook. That would have been an interesting fight, but we got Saddam Ali, so let's just, uh, you know, go with it here. But Miguel Cotto, 
all-time great. Arguably the best Puerto Rican fighter ever. Arguably, because I know there are some other great names out there. And you should think about him. He came up as a can't-miss prospect at 140. And you heard so much about Miguel Cotto as a, you know, as a can't-miss prospect. And we've seen today, how hard is it to move along superstars? How hard is it to move along a, a prospect to go from a prospect to a contender to a, a champion to a flat-out superstar that everyone knows? I think that's the case with Miguel Cotto. Everyone, in, if you're not even a big boxing fan, you know the name Miguel Cotto. I do have to give credit to Top Rank. He was with Top Rank for many years. They brought him along perfectly. At 140 pounds is when... Go on YouTube and look up Miguel Cotto at 140 pounds. The guy was a force. Force at 140. I mean, just beautiful left hook. Just great defense. Underrated defense and from a technical standpoint. But you, and you move on and you go through his career. And you think about all the fighters that he's for. He's been in the ring with everyone. Put together this list. Mosley. Judah, Margarito twice, Mayweather, Pacquiao, Canelo, Sergio Martinez. I mean, just go up and down the list. This guy has fought everybody. He's made a boatload of money in his career. I think he got $15 million for that Mayweather fight. You know, that was my first time ever in Las Vegas was for Mayweather Cotto. And that fight was huge. And, and Cotto put on a great performance. And now when he was at the, you know, towards the twilight of his career when he fought Mayweather coming off those margarito losses and he's just had one of those storybook careers and you, you take a look at the fighters today and it's so hard to build a superstar it's so hard to build a household name and come along the right way but you know miguel Cotto, when you look back a few years from now when he's enshrined in the hall of fame in canisto new york you're going to look back and say this dude had a storybook career he really did and being from new york and going to so many of his fights ringside i mean Working for CompuBox, we have 36 of Miguel Cotto's fights in our database. That's a very large amount of, of fights for uh, one fighter in our database to show you uh, how many fights we've covered of his. And personally, from uh, a personal standpoint, Miguel Cotto growing up was one of my favorite fighters. I mean, he was a brand here in New York. He had the Rangers, you had the Knicks, you have the Giants, Jets, and you have Miguel Cotto. He fought, what, 10 times, 9 times at MSG? This will be his 10th fight in MSG. 8-1. His only loss came to uh, Austin Trout. And that fight was on Showtime. It was just a weird night. Something was off about the whole night. But that was when Trout was on the rise. And he was a tough, you know, lanky lefty that gave Cotto a lot of, a lot of problems. But, you know, here in New York, I mean, the Miguel Cotto fights were electric. They were always the night before the Puerto Rican Day Parade. And I'll never forget the first Miguel Cotto fight I ever went to was Cotto Zab Judah. Went with my good buddy Donnie Puglisi. Shout out to Donnie. And uh, we had a great night. I mean, we're in the crowd. One of the many uh, very rare fights where I wasn't working, I was hanging out. And, you know, Carlos Beltran was there. You know, Jorge Posada was there. You know, Fat Joe was there. I mean, that's the thing with Cotto. He brings out all the, the Puerto Rican celebrities. And it was the night before the Puerto Rican Day Parade. So the buzz in the garden was just tremendous. And he always puts on good fights. That's another thing about Miguel Cotto is he's always in wars. Think about Cotto Mosley. That was a fight that happened in 2007. Another great night at the Garden. They both landed the same amount of connects. But Cotto, I think that, if you take a look back at his career, that the Cotto win over, over Mosley, 2007, Mosley was still somewhat in his prime. Probably the best win of Miguel Cotto's career, in my opinion. You know, if you have a better, or you think, what is your favorite win? 
for Miguel Cotto. Tweet us at CompuBox. But, you know, take a look. You go down. Yankee Stadium. You know, Miguel Cotto fought at Yankee Stadium. How many fighters can say that? That was a very memorable night. Got to go to that fight with uh, all my brothers on the field at Yankee Stadium against Yuri Foreman. Uh, it was like a million degrees that night, but it was just an awesome night. So many great memories. Of course, who can forget his two fights with Margarito? You know, Margarito, did he put the uh, plaster of the gloves? We'll never know. I saw that Doug Fisher recently was... <laughs> you can always count on that once a year. It's Doug Fisher going on Twitter and, and talking about the Margarito glove plaster scenario. But that second fight against Margarito at the Garden, coming off of the, the plaster in the hands and the buildup for that, the face-off that they had on HBO... And that's my, like, my most meaningful fight for Cotto's career, I think, is the Margarito win. Because that set up more, win more fights for him. It was a redemption of sorts. You know, and then you look at his career and he fought, you know, Sergio Martinez. Yeah, Sergio was on his last leg, quite literally. He won that fight. He wins a middleweight title. And, you know, becomes the first fighter, a Puerto Rican fighter, to win four uh, titles in four different weight divisions. And then you took, take a look at his fight with... Uh, with Canelo, gave him a very tough fight, but once again, he's in—he's a prize fighter. So hats off to Miguel Cotto. I'm really looking forward to being at the Garden this Saturday one last time. If it is his last time, you know how these fighters are. We'll have to ask Freddie Roach. You know, is this really the last time? Because you know, how many times have you seen a guy, a boxer, say that this is it? But uh, should this be his final fight? And uh, it comes at the Garden. I'm really going to soak it all in, and I think a lot of fans are. I'm expecting a very big crowd. And uh, it's going to be a great night of boxing on HBO. And a lot of good fights on HBO coming up. But Miguel Cotto, hats off to you, my friend. And uh, much success in uh, your retirement. It's been a real pleasure watching you fight. But uh, it's also led me to, to think about the 2017 retirements. I mean, have you ever seen a year like this? We'll have to get Lee Groves on the phone maybe to talk about it. the year that has been in boxing when it comes to retirements. I mean, it's almost like a changing of the guards. Take a look at this list. I mean, headed by Floyd Mayweather and Andre Ward, undefeated U.S. fighters. Vladimir Klitschko hangs them up. Marquez and Bradley, you know, they fought in 2014, their last fight, but this, is, this year is when they officially announced their retirement. They will go in on a separate ballot because there it comes. It, it, the way they do that at the Hall of Fame is when was your last fight. So they won't be on this same ballot. I know there was a lot of confusion about that, but Marquez, Hall of Famer. Bradley, arguably a Hall of Famer. Shane Mosley, surefire Hall of Famer. All these guys retired in 2017. I mean, you take a look at it, it's almost like a changing of the guard in boxing. 2017 was such a great year uh, and with, between all these great fights that we got and it seems like, you know, there's you know, fights that are on, on free TV, ESPN deals, just great, great fights. And another wrinkle of 2017 is the changing of the guard. Take a look at that list. Every sport has it. You know, look at baseball. You know, the steroid era, steroid era ended, and what do we have? You know, we got rid of McGuire, Sosa in the steroid era, and we got Trout. We got Harper. We got Judge, Chris Bryant. Same thing in boxing. Saying goodbye to Cotto. Were you possibly saying goodbye to Pacquiao, Mayweather, Klitschko? And now we're, we're ringing in the new guys, Canelo, Errol Spence. Uh, you go down the list, Terrence Crawford, uh, Mick Conlon, Shakur Stevenson, uh, the Charlo brothers. I mean, you can just go, if I'm leaving any out, I apologize, but you can just keep going through the list, and it's just, it's unbelievable. The changing of the guard here, 
in 2017. But this is a jam-packed show. There's so much to get to here. Stick with us here. Inside Boxing Live, you got Freddie Roach, David Lemieux, Tracy Morgan, Twitter hitters, all that and many more. We're going to bring in our uh, first guest, uh, Freddie Roach, in a moment. Our next guest has trained over 30 world champions, including Oscar De La Hoya, Amir Khan, of course, Manny Pacquiao. And on Saturday night, he will walk Miguel Cotto into the ring for the final fight of his career. He's the great Freddie Roach, and he joins us right now on Inside Boxing Live. Freddie, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Can't complain. Now, uh, you've been with Miguel Cotto here for about you know three to four fights. He said that this is his last fight. Do you think it's now the time for Miguel Cotto to hang up the gloves? Well, you know, he has a lot of fights lately, but he um, wants to retire with the family, and he's spending time with his kids and so forth. And, uh, you know, I, I like that he's making a decision on his own, and... Uh, now, he's fighting a guy in Saddam Ali, uh, Madison Square Garden, a place that he is very uh, familiar with. What do you know about uh, his opponent here, and how's the training camp gone uh, for Miguel Cotto? Well, you know, I know Saddam Ali's an Olympian, and he's a very good fighter, good boxer, he can move well. And uh, our training camp's done very well. We had great sparring partners in this fight, and... Uh, now, should uh, Miguel Cotto be victorious in this fight and look very good and maybe some other fighters open up a big fight? I know he wants the big money fights at this point in his career. Would you advise him to take another fight? Should it be against a, a Canelo or a Golovkin? Well, you know, I would like to see him fight either one of those guys, but um, again, he's calling it a day, and uh, he, um, he seems to be very serious about it. But, um, you know, sometimes those offers are hard to say no to. Yeah, I know, of course. I know you want uh, your fighters to get in there with everyone because that's the type of guy uh, you are. Another of one of your fighters, another superstar that you've trained for your, basically his entire career is uh, Manny Pacquiao. And uh, Manny has uh, expressed some frustrations with uh, the politics and uh, being a center, senator in the Philippines. He's expressed that he wants to continue fighting, but you've been on the record saying that he should maybe either hang him up or fight Jeff Horn. Do you think that Manny Pacquiao uh, should retire? Well, no. The thing is, I do think he should retire when being a senator and a boxer at the same time is almost impossible be a world-class fighter and they would be center. So I think it was too much on him and so forth. But now, he, um, you know, I never thought of him giving up the Senate because I thought the politics was really, I thought he really loved the politics of it. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, politician, he said he was too corrupt and he might get out of, he might get out of that position. And, uh, you know, that would be a way that he can still fight. He still has a fight in him. He trains very hard. He works really dedicated. But the thing is, having two jobs as a as a fighter doesn't work. You know, you get out, he gets out of center sometimes at ten o'clock at night. At ten o'clock at night, we have to go to the gym and train because we have to get ready for, for you know every fight. And uh, you know, the thing is, 
why he's been so good, good in his career is because he trains so hard and he doesn't, you know, I, I guess he doesn't think of him lightly and he works very hard and, you know, so like being a senator, getting out of the 10 o'clock at night, being trained at 10 o'clock at night sometimes, it, you know, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's hard enough to have one job in this in this world, but um, not two at that level. Yeah, a focused, or like you said, he doesn't take anyone lightly, but if he should give up the Senate and maybe do that later on in his career after his fighting career is over, maybe he does uh, re-energize his career, get into the ring with a Jeff Horn, or, uh, you know, he did call out uh, Conor McGregor on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, what would you think of uh, Manny calling out McGregor? Would you advise him to fight Conor McGregor? Well, you know, it's really unlike many to call anyone out, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know who was behind that, but, uh, you know, but it, it, it was done, and I saw that. And it, it's, uh, I think it's a good fight for me. It's an easy fight for me. I, mean, I, I, I don't think too highly of McGregor as a boxer. And, um, you know, I think Manny was destroying him. I think it's, uh, um, you know, can you beat him and, you know, like, uh, Mayweather did, and then and then maybe get Mayweather back in the in the picture. Oh yeah. Okay. What yeah? What did you make of uh, Mayweather McGregor? Uh, did you think that you know, Floyd carried him, or do you think he came out a little uh, slow on purpose? Um, you know, I, I to be honest with you, I didn't watch the fight. <laughs> I had Miguel Cotto fighting that night. I was working, and I I had no reason to take that fight because it was. Uh, you know, it, it was a guy trying to beat beat the record of everyone else in boxing and fighting a guy with an O O and O record. I mean, give me his, I don't I don't feel that fight should have been even sanctioned, to be honest with you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a sentiment that a lot of people shared. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about UFC, and you trained, you trained uh, George St. Pierre. First of all, congratulations on the win. Uh, would you train, would you be open to training more UFC fighters and have any, you know, maybe reached out to you? I've trained a lot of UFC fighters in the past few years, and uh, they just, I think they've never worked the corner before. And, um, you know, the thing is, is uh, it's, uh, I, I trained George NPR for six years. He works very hard and he's very dedicated. And uh, you know, the thing is, I'll, I'll work with anyone that I can help. If I can help them and they, they, they want to learn the boxing end of it, that's what, that's what I teach them. And the thing is, you know, I'm not a ground guy and so forth. I don't have that experience for, in, in, in the ground game. And uh, you know, the thing is, uh, I've been training for six years, and uh, the left hook's finally coming over, kind of coming out. And yeah, it looked really good in the fight. And I was really happy with this performance. Has any other UFC fighters since uh, GSP's victory reached out to you to uh, maybe train? Um, I've been training with one other in my gym right now, and uh, he's fighting in Bellator. He knows about the UFC, though he fights for uh, Bellator, and. Um, He's going to fight coming up in, uh, in, uh, January 21st, I believe, at the forum in, um, LA. Oh, awesome. But, um, if I look in the corner, I'm not sure. I, we haven't discussed that yet, but he's got training my gym, and he does start with Miguel Cotto, uh, for this fight on a daily basis, because the kid is young. He's 20 years old, and he, he, he's gritty, and he's, 
interesting terms of great combinations. He has really been in. But he, he, this guy was the boss at first, and then he did wrestling second, and now he's a he, MMA fighter. But he, he does have really, really good hands. Yeah, I think it's great for you to train some of these UFC guys, and a lot of these UFC fighters struggle with the stand-up, and to bring in a guy like you, you know, is just a no-brainer in my mind. But before we let you go, uh, I want to talk about the health of the sport very quickly. I know you have to get back to, to training with Miguel. It seems like 2017, we got all the fights that we wanted. It seems like some of the politics are starting to subside. Do you see that um, the health of the sport is improving and maybe we'll get some even more bigger fights in 2018? Well, I, you know, I hope so. I hope so. And, uh, you know, there's young kids coming up all the time. I've got a couple of young, young guys in the gym right now. I'm, I get some, I get some very good prospects. And, uh, I think I do have, you know, you know, my Lithuanian boy, uh, is 3 and 0 now, and, but he's, he's really much better than 3 and 0. And he's a really good fighter. And, uh, steady on this. And, uh, you know, I, I think I have some kids champions out there on their way, but I, again, uh, you know, anything can happen. Uh, Frankie Gomez was on his way to the world title, and then I haven't seen him in two years now. So, yeah. <laughs> you never know with these guys. All right, Freddie, we appreciate you giving us some time. I know you're very busy here for Miguel Cotto's fight week. I know you're on the way to the gym to train with Miguel. Best of luck Saturday night. Appreciate the time, and we'll see you uh, ringside. All right, can't wait to see him, man. Thank you very much, Freddie. A special thanks to Marie getting us uh, Freddie Roach. A uh, great interview with the longtime trainer of Manny Pacquiao and 30 other world champions. Of course, one of them, uh, Miguel Cotto. Freddie had a lot to say about Cotto's career. He likes the fact that Cotto is, is stepping away on his own terms and uh, it's his own decision, but he did say that uh, should maybe Golovkin or a uh, a fight with Canelo or a really big name come across that Canelo can get into the ring that uh, Cotto can get into the ring with, he's not going to tell him no. You know, uh, also interesting stuff from Freddie with Pacquiao and McGregor. He says that he'll annihilate uh, McGregor. I mean, that'd be interesting to watch. I don't think fans would. I think fans would tune in to see uh, McGregor-Pacquiao. But great stuff. Uh, from uh, Freddie Roach, of course, who will be walking his man into the ring, Miguel Cotto, one last time uh, Saturday at Madison Square Garden. Pumped for that one. I will be ringside uh, for that fight. I'm looking forward to it. Spent so many great nights at the Garden with Miguel Cotto. So once again, special shout-out uh, to Freddie Roach for joining us on Inside Boxing Live. But it's time to move on to our first segment of the show. A lot of stuff going on in the world of boxing. It's hard to keep up. So uh, we all rounded up for you with this week's In Case You Missed It. Uh, first, In Case You Missed It item here is Triple G. Uh, he's inactive in the ring, but he's very active outside of the ring. Triple G gets the hero's welcome in Mexico. Uh, you look at him there. He uh, visited the halftime of the NFL game in Mexico and received a overwhelming, sustained, uh, standing ovation for Triple G in Mexico. In addition to that, he also visited a children's hospital. Uh, he got a distinction from the, the Mexico government recognizing him. I mean, this guy, you have to give him so much credit first for his fighting style and being able to get the approval of Mexican fight, fight fans, which are very tough critics. And you have to look at Tom Loeffler, 
who incorporated this Mexican style in his promotions of Triple G. Having him fight out in L.A. where there's a big Mexican fan base. But Triple G is huge in Mexico. And I'll tell you what, that's got to stick a little bit to Canelo. It's got to hurt a little bit to Canelo that his in his own country, it, you can arguably say that Triple G is more popular than, than Canelo. So that's, that's real interesting. Hopefully they get the fight done, the rematch. But moving on here with, in case you miss it, Pacquiao says that he hates politics. Or he's becoming very frustrated with politics. So what does he do? He calls out Conor McGregor on Thanksgiving morning on Instagram. He posts a picture of Conor McGregor and says, get in shape, son. Uh, The real fight can go down with me and and you. So that's something to keep an eye on. I know that um, Freddie talked about having having to want Pacquiao to maybe get out of politics. You can always go back into politics. And if you, you can't do both, Freddie said. And, you know, I tend to agree. I mean, politics and being a senator in the Philippines... Very tough work. I mean, so you're going to have to dedicate all your time to that. Then on top of it, you're going to train at 10 p.m. So if Pacquiao is serious about getting back in the ring in 2018, there's Jeff Warren out there. There were so many big fights. There's Terrence Crawford. And then, of course, he called out McGregor. So we'll see how uh, that plays out. But moving forward here, another bit of information here. We talked about Tom Loeffler a little bit ago. He represents Chocolatito. Chocolatito looks like he wants to get back into the ring after sustaining a brutal knockout to Rungvisai. He wants to get back in the ring in April or May. I could maybe see that fight, a Chocolatito return, if it's not going to be on that Superfly card, maybe on the Triple G Canelo uh, rematch card. So keep an eye on that. In uh, the 160-pound division, that's absolutely on fire. Don't forget, we do have an interview with David Lemieux, who fights BJ Saunders December 16th. But the WBC ordered uh, Jamel Charlo to fight for the WBC interim belt against Centeno. Uh, the thing about that, I mean, it's not the greatest fight. Charlo should probably uh, win this fight with relative ease. But that one could land at the Barclays Center on January 20th as the uh, the support fight for Errol Spence, Lamont Peterson. Um, Charlo has fought a bunch of times in Brooklyn. Fans love him. It will bring a nice buzz to the arena, and you don't got to sell me on the Charlo brothers. I will pay to watch them fight. So uh, Charlo Centeno could possibly be on January 20th at the Barclays Center on that Errol Spence card, and Charlo's a guy that's, you know, he's chomping at the bit. He can throw himself into the 160-pound picture and with some great fights at uh, 160. Talked about Triple G. We talked about Canelo. De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya, who also happened to call out Conor McGregor. Uh, whatever. We'll talk about that another time. But Oscar says that Triple G Canelo will happen in 2018. And I think we have to take Oscar's word for it. I mean, he's the guy that holds all the negotiating chips. Although it seems like Canelo certainly should have, I'm sorry, that Triple G should certainly have a lot more to bring to the negotiating table. But Oscar De La Hoya says that this fight will happen in 2018. A lot of people don't think it's going to happen. The people I talk to uh, behind the scenes and when I go to the fights, you know, every day that goes by that Triple G Canelo is not made, it seems like it's further from happening. You know, what happens if, be, what happens if Lemieux wins the fight against Saunders? He's got a belt. He's with Golden Boy. The fight with Triple G and Canelo's not made yet. Canelo Saunders in May. It makes a ton of money for Golden Boy. Canelo should be able to win that fight. He picks up a belt, and then he fights Canelo maybe 2019, when, when Triple G's close to, what, 36, 37 years old? 
I mean, so much things are playing out in the middleweight division. Right now, it's like a jigsaw puzzle with all these different pieces, and the pieces are these great contenders in the division. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. But Oscar De La Hoya says that the fight will happen in 2018, so we're going to have to hold Oscar uh, to his word there. And uh, the World Boxing Super Series which has been a great success, in my opinion, in 2017, created some great fights, and we're moving into the semifinals, and one of the semifinals has been announced, Groves and Eubank. We did a poll on the CompuBox Twitter. Check us out, at CompuBox. We did a poll, which uh, semifinal fight are you looking forward to the most? And Groves-Eubank was like 70%. The fans want it, and they're going to get it February 20th in Manchester. UK, uh, it doesn't we don't have a U.S. TV deal for that fight, so I'm assuming that uh, maybe HBO, Showtime, uh, Epics, you know, ESPN's a little tied up with Top Rank, but uh, that fight has some real big buzz even here in the states. So I would not be surprised if uh, a big U.S. player, TV-wise, uh, throws some money at that to get that on the air. And finally, and in case you missed it, we can't do any segments on the show without mentioning Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury signs with MTK Global Management Company. And this is really like a no-brainer for MTK Global. I mean, they're taking a little bit of a risk, but, you know, they're willing to gamble on Tyson Fury getting back into the ring. I mean, the guy is all over social media. He's training. He's huge, by the way. He posted a shirtless photo with uh, Ricky Hatton, and he made Ricky Hatton, who's put on maybe 60 pounds, look like a flyweight. But uh, Tyson Fury, I mean, he's, I mean, people are taking notice. They're taking, uh, they're, they're gambling on him. They, they now MTK Global, a big time management company, is going to guide his career here. And there's so many big fights for Tyson Fury if he can just keep, work on what's above the shoulders. If he can clear his mind, lose the stone, as they say. Just think about the fights that can be made with Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Fury, uh, Parker. Just go down the list. Sam Peter uh, called him out. I mean. Interesting, interesting. Never a dull moment in boxing Twitter. And we'll get to the Twitter haters later on in the show because you know Tyson Fury is in our Twitter haters. But that's it for In Case You Missed It. It's a lot of news and notes, folks, when uh, you always can get it here on Inside Boxing Live. The 160-pound division right now is on fire. And uh, a, a name in that division is uh, David Lemieux. He fights December 16th on HBO versus BJ Saunders. And he's kind enough to join us right now on Inside Boxing Live. David, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great. How's it going? I can't complain here in New York. Uh, getting ready for your fight on, on HBO. Uh, you're entering this fight. It's, you're going up against the, for a world title against uh, B.J. Saunders. Really, if you win this fight, you're back into the uh, middleweight division uh, with a big bang. Are you looking at this fight like, a, like a, for a lack of a better terms, a golden opportunity for you? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a serious fight. It's a very important fight for my career. Um, uh, it's, it's back to where I want to be, uh, and uh, it's going to get me there. So uh, uh, we're working very hard, uh, making sure we give uh, the fans a great fight. Uh, that's, my, that's always my number one goal, make sure the fans are pleased. Um, it's going to be a good fight. You know, Connor is uh, a tough opposition. But, uh, you know, we're, we're doing whatever we're going to do to, uh, to make sure we're successful on uh, December 16th. Now you talk about B.J. Saunders. He's a fighter that tends to get under a lot of people's skins, fans and uh, fighters uh, alike. 
I know you guys have been going back and forth a little bit on Twitter. What do you make of uh, all his uh, trash talks uh, so far? I think he's a clown. Uh, I don't take him uh, seriously. Uh, I don't care whatever he says. It has zero effect on me. Uh, it's like uh, water on a duck's back. Uh, I, I barely listen to it. And sometimes when I see it, because uh, uh, I don't check uh, the social networks uh, too much while I'm in camp, uh, I'm concentrating doing what I got to do. But, you know, sometimes I can pick a bit. But uh, like I said, it has zero effect. It's just uh, just gonna be more uh, more problems for fight night. I'm gonna make him eat his words, and uh, it's putting gas on fire. It's actually gonna hurt him more than more than anything. Now, in terms of his fighting style, uh, he does talk a lot, but his fighting style doesn't exactly. He's not exactly the busiest fighter. Only throws about 35 punches around, mostly jabs. Have you, you know, taken a look at the tape and what can you say about BJ Saunders from a fighting standpoint? Yeah, I don't really care about his style of fighting. I'm going in there to impose my style of fighting. You know, he's, uh, he's got that at the top of his shape. He's really going to come in uh, uh, looking at the best he's ever been. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, at least I hope for him, um, and uh, and I'm not worried about it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna have uh, my my chance to chase him down, cut him down, and uh, break him down. Uh, there's 12 rounds, and uh, I'm gonna use every minute of uh, every second of every round to, to the maximum. Uh, yeah, he, he he likes to jab and move around, but. Uh, Now, when it comes to uh, Saunders, is a southpaw. I know you haven't fought too many southpaws. Is that something that you're taking in consideration for this fight? fighting in front of your hometown fans sold out arena in addition to the fans we do know that uh, Danny Jacobs and Triple G will both be making their way to the arena to be ringside does that give you any more uh, you know added uh, incentive to put on a great show knowing that your future opponents could possibly be there uh, ringside watching you Uh, 
what do you think of uh, Danny Jacobs as a fighter? He just fought, you know, a few weeks back, picked up the win. He fought a, a similar foe in Golovkin, took him to the distance. What do you think of a potential fight between you and Danny Jacobs? important question is you know how are you going to come into the ring what hairstyle are you going to bring we've seen the long hair we've seen the shaved in the in the comb over we've seen the buzzed the fans want to know like what hairstyle is is lemieux bringing into the ring the fans love the hair <laughs> they do you know what uh, i haven't been growing my hair too much so uh, so forget the long hair guys uh, uh I've been uh, I've been uh, I've been working on something a little new, but like uh, it's gonna be short. It's gonna be short. The reason why it's gonna be short is because uh, uh, I because uh, right now this is this is my field and uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be short. It's like yeah. I guess the fans will have to wait on fight night to see exactly what you'll be bringing into the ring. But what is it like to fight in front of your hometown fans? I know it's been uh, a bunch of fights for you here in the Bell Center. You know, what goes through your mind when you're walking into the ring knowing that you have the support of, you know, thousands of fans in the, in the arena with you? That's fun, you know. It's, it's, it's fun. Uh, to me, the, the ring is, uh, wherever it is, it's, it's fun that I, I got the, I got the and we can do it at home. Uh, you know, all the fans are gonna come out and they're gonna they're gonna support uh, support me and uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna buy the tickets. It shows that uh, I'm a better I'm a better seller than uh, than uh, uh, is this. So uh, so we're, we're bringing it to you here. There is a fighter that also draws big crowds. He's also under the same promotional company as you, and that's Canelo Alvarez. Uh, that fight with Triple G, the rematch, still not made. Should you win this fight, pick up a belt, I can see David Lemieux getting into the ring with Canelo Alvarez. What are your thoughts on Canelo and a potential fight with him? Uh, 
I want it to happen, and uh, it's gonna happen. But uh, first, uh, first things first, I'm gonna give the fans a great fight on uh, the 16th. I'm gonna knock this uh, big mouth uh, English guy out. So uh, and after, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what's up with the with the next fights. David, I appreciate you giving us some time. I know you're preparing for the, this big fight, your title shot in front of the fans in uh, Montreal. Uh, much Thank you very much for coming on, and we look forward to seeing you on uh, December 16th, my man. Thank you very much. December 16th, you guys, you guys watch, watch what I want to do. Uh-huh. We're looking forward to it. Thank you very much, David. Thanks. There it is, David Lemieux. Very interesting interview there. Uh, broke down a lot. Covered a lot of bases there. Does think he will fight Canelo down the road. Doesn't think much of uh, Danny Jacobs. Very interesting. And most importantly, is uh, looks like he'll be coming into the ring with the short hair. Not going to be having the long hair. We saw him with the long hair against Golovkin. It was flopping all over the place. You know, uh, it was actually, I think Roy and Max actually had a little conversation about it. But I'm really looking forward to this fight, December 16th on HBO. David Lemieux versus B.J. Saunders. It's for B.J. Saunders' WBO title. I mean, it's a very important fight in the middleweight division. As we know, the middleweight division is on fire right now. I mean, there's some of the biggest names in the sport are in the middleweight division. And if you have a title right now, it brings a lot to the negotiating table. So David Lemieux, a fighter that did lose to Golovkin but has won four straight fights since that loss to Golovkin. He wants to pick up a title, and then he's going to go to the negotiating table with Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya against the Golovkin or Jacobs or Canelo. So a lot to look forward to December 16th with David Lemieux going up against uh, BJ Saunders. What do you get when you have these fighters that have a lot of time on their hands and in their hand is their phone? Is you get the Twitter hitter segment here on Inside Boxing Live. Uh, these fighters like to tweet. They have, like I said, a lot of time on their hands. It's a, it's a personal sport. It's a sport where you have to promote yourself, so why not uh, do a little roundup like we always do on the show and round up the best tweets from the boxing world, first coming from Espinosa Boxing, who uh, tweeted out about Valdez and Frampton. Take a look there. He wants to make the fight. Oscar Valdez going up against Carl Frampton, 2018. I'm all for it. Sign me up. We saw Oscar Valdez fight on ESPN. Gave a very good performance. Uh, he is a up-and-coming, I would say he's right above up-and-coming guy. Uh, he's a prized prospect for top rank. And you got Carl Frampton, who everyone knows. I mean, Carl Frampton wants another piece of Luis Santa Cruz. And uh, is that going to happen? I mean, Leo Santa Cruz, excuse me. Uh, is that going to happen? Uh, I don't know, because Santa Cruz might be fighting Maris. So Frampton's on the outside looking in. So uh, Valdez Frampton could be a, a fight and i love when uh these these the matchmakers and the powers that be get on twitter and they talk directly uh to the fans moving forward here our next tweet comes from an absolute freak that is vasil lomachenko look at this this is what lomachenko does lately on tour he posts these ridiculous videos this is him throwing five bouncy balls in the air catching all of them here's him as if he's bugs bunny playing tennis against himself. You know, like, it must be so great to be a part of Lomachenko's crew, like his little entourage, because after the training's done, it looks like they're in a beautiful location. It's probably in California training or Florida. And 
Training's over for the day. So they just sit around. What can we get Vasil to do today? <laughs> Let's have him play tennis against himself. And they probably sit around a few beers and just watch this super freak of an athlete of run around. But, you know, let's see how it translates in the ring because we're getting closer and closer to the uh, super fan super fight the, uh, between Rigo and Loma uh, December 9th on uh, ESPN. So uh, we don't have any rigging now tweets today. Just the... Uh, just Lomachenko, but give a follow to uh, Vasil Lomachenko if you're into seeing freak athletes do crazy things. Uh, our next tweet comes from a fighter who is also fighting December 9th. He is Newark's own, Shakur Stevenson. And uh, he says December 9th, I'll be ready. Ch- hashtag chasing greatness. And uh, Sh- Shakur Stevenson is a fighter signed by top rank. And, of course, him and Mick Conlon, both uh, Olympic stars, at the uh, last Olympic Games, the Summer Olympic Games, and I love what Top Rank does here, is they put both of these fighters on the card. They put them, and and the great thing about this ESPN deal is sometimes they get on ESPN. I mean, it's awesome for them. If if Top Rank was still on HBO, you're not going to see a Mick Conlon uh, or a Shakur Stevenson fight at this point in their career. But on ESPN, you throw it on the first fight of the night, and they usually put them on the same card, and you can tell, like, they're, you know, Bob Arum likes to let it marinate. We, we know that, that Bob likes to let these fights marinate. This is the ultimate ma- marination right here. This is the ultimate slow cooker of uh, Mick Conlon and Shakur Stevenson. I mean, you got to keep in mind that both these guys are, haven't even fought 10 fights maybe combined. So they can eventually going to get into the ring. So I love what Top Rank does. And uh, Shakur Stevenson, interesting follow on twitter you got to remember this kid's 18 19 years old he is one of those guys that lets you know exactly what he's thinking at all times so uh shakur stevenson one of the the better follows on twitter moving forward in the top break stable this is a fighter that uh, you'll be seeing a lot of in 2018 terrence bud crawford he's calling out jeff horn and i love it uh he's in this look at this one i'm gonna show jeff horn why manny pacquiao team chose to fight me Fight him and not me. So he's throwing shade at two guys at one time. you got to love this. He's throwing shade at Pacquiao for ducking or pulling out of the Horn fight and not wanting to fight Crawford, and he's also calling out Horn. And I think that Crawford-Horn is the very logical fight in 2018 for Terrence Crawford in top rank. Put the fight on ESPN from Australia. I don't think that Crawford would have any problem going to Australia because it means more dollars for him. He goes in. And, you know, Horn showed that he, he, give or, he didn't win the fight against Pacquiao, but he's a tall, rangy, you know, physical 147-pounder. Probably will be a good fight that I think that Crawford has the advantage in. Crawford then picks up a belt, and then he can then look forward to some of the guys across the street, uh, Errol Spence, Keith Thurman. So very logical fight for Crawford, and one that I think uh, will definitely get made. Terrence Crawford always brings the heat on Twitter. Love him for that. Uh, a little Thanksgiving tweets here. Andre Ward. I wonder what Andre Ward's been up to. What Andre Ward's been up to is on Thanksgiving night, he tweeted this out. I thought about working out this morning. Then I didn't. <laughs> I came home, ate Thanksgiving dinner, and still didn't work out. And I'm not, probably not going to either. So you're wondering what Andre Ward has been up to uh, since his retirement? He's not worrying about cutting weight. He's not worrying about getting down to uh, 175 or 168. And I've uh, met and uh, spoken with Andre Ward a bunch of times. Big guy. Probably walks around at, at over 200 pounds. So him getting down to 175, 168 was always a trouble for him. But you can tell that Andre Ward 
is enjoying retirement. He's probably the first time in, in years that he's had a Thanksgiving where he maybe doesn't have to worry about, you know, adding that extra plate of stuffing or that uh, turkey. But he also tweeted, we didn't get catch this on, on this, this Twitter hitter segment, but Andre Ward did uh, tweet at, at uh, Kovalev and uh, said something like trying to uh, mocking him. He also uh, tweeted that he was watching the fight on uh, Saturday night, Kovalev's destroy when he destroyed uh, Shabransky. So Andre Ward is uh, sticking. He might be out of the ring, but he's still keeping close eye because, he, of course, he uh, is a commentator as well. Uh, Tyson Fury. We can't do a Twitter hitter segment without Tyson Fury getting into the mix. And this is what I like. This this is the one I, I picked this one out for a reason because Tyson Fury very um, very well, not full of himself, but very confident. And he says it's going to be no problem losing the weight, talking up, calling out everyone under the sun. And you know what? Like he said, I forgot how hard training was, feeling knackered. <laughs> that must be an uh, English term. But for once, out of all these tweets you see from uh, Tyson Fury, it's nice to see him kind of admit a little bit that, you know, this is hard. Like, you know, I'm trying to lose however amount of weight, how much weight or stone, pounds that he's trying to lose. So to hear him say that, you know, um, this is hard. It's crazy, and I, and I did you a favor at home by not sharing the picture of uh, Tyson Fury shirtless with Ricky Hatton. Uh, I saved my uh, Nick a favor too, our super producer, pulling that one up because you know Ricky Hatton is is big now. Ricky Hatton is huge. You see that, Nick? Ricky Hatton is yeah. is Ricky Hatton's big. He's a big boy. He's not not quite the uh, stonage of Fury, but yeah. And then you, you have Fury next to him with his shirt off, like. He looked. I don't. I don't want to make fun of him, but he looked like he was huge. Like Tyson Fury is huge, I and mean, then you put him next to Hatton, who who's gained like 50 pounds since he retired. This was a sight. If you want to look that up, do it on your own time. Can't do that. Here's a family show. But the finally, our last tweet comes from the wonderful people at CompuBox. That's us. Uh, we had a little fun on Thanksgiving. We decided let's send out a Thanksgiving tweet, but let's not make it like you know generic. You know, uh, we're thankful for, you know, fighting and boxing. Let's do a fun one, get the fans involved, because, of course, Inside Boxing Live is a show for the fans. But uh, you can have Thanksgiving dinner with four fighters, personalities, dead or alive. Who are they? And this tweet, I mean, we had responses up until I'm still getting responses for this tweet. I mean, so many people chiming in and, you know, Manny Pacquiao, Eric Morales, Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, says Fernando Silva Pinto. Uh, Gotti, Lennox Lewis, Manny, Pack, and Triple G. Customato, Gotti, Bernard Hopkins, and John Gully, says James Linden. You had everyone checking in. Uh, we got some other ones. Marvelous Marvin Hagler, says Heidi. Carmen Basilio, Terrence Crawford, and Poli Malinaji. That dinner right there would be so much. It would be Italian flying back and forth. You got Malinaji yelling at Hagler. Hagler yelling back in Italian. Basilio throwing his two cents in and Terrence Crawford uh, he might be just sitting back and just watching because Terrence Crawford isn't isn't the, the the most talkative guy but that's an interesting foursome uh ooh, how about this one Brandon Rios Victor Ortiz Devin Alexander and Orlando Cruz uh, okay uh who else we got here Robert Robinson for his four Thanksgiving Larry Holmes Roy Jones Jr best boxer ever Holyfield and Cornelius Bundridge. Well, Cornelius Bundridge got a nice mention on Thanksgiving night. Had to make him feel good. Uh, so yeah, that's a fun game we played. Oh wait, wait, one more. Mikey Manifesto. 
Al Heyman, Eddie Hearn, and Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> that would be interesting. A lot of people said first, before I even have Thanksgiving dinner, I have to thank Al Heyman for this wonderful dinner that we have. Yeah, so our Twitter followers are the best. We uh, love all of you out there. Don't always remember, you can always tweet us at CompuBox. If you see some good tweets out there from fighters, personalities, anyone in the game, don't be afraid to tweet us with the hashtag uh, Twitter hitters to get you featured here on Inside Boxing Live. Uh, one of the greatest things about the sport of boxing, uh, especially on fight night, is you never know who you're going to run into uh, ringside. Uh, you got the ring crowd girls, you got the broadcast team, you got celebrities, and I was lucky enough to meet Tracy Morgan on Saturday night at the Kovalev fight, and he is uh, gracious enough to join us here on Inside Boxing Live. Tracy Morgan, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up, y'all? How you doing? How you feeling? I'm feeling what's good up, today. Man? I'm feeling good today. Um, I want to say happy holidays to you and your family. Oh, appreciate okay. it. Same to you and yours. Uh, we saw you Saturday night at the Kovalev fight. It looked like you were enjoying it. How'd you, did you have a good time? Yeah, Kovalev is a good friend of mine. I met him at Madison Square Garden watching the Knicks. And uh, God bless him. I'm, and I'm happy for, for him on his victory. Now, he fought a very smart fight. He did. I, I love smart fighters. No one will ever be as smart as Ali. But when you get older in the ring, you have to rely on your intelligence. Who were some of your favorite fighters uh, growing up? Well, you know, like I said, Muhammad Ali is my first. You have Foreman, you have Holmes, you have Cooney, you have Ernie Chavis. Then you go into a different. Then you have Mike Tyson too. He he's right there with Ali. Then you have great fighters like Evander. And then you go into it. It depends on what, what, what you know, what weight class you're talking about. You got 147. You have a guy. I, I like the new fighters, uh, Davis. I like Russell Jr. I like um, Koloff. I, you know, Levinchenko. I love all of them. I love the, love the nice, young, great fighters out there now. Yeah, I, I was. Boxing is starting to turn around again in sport. And I'm happy for that. They're starting to show it again on TV for free. And that's, that's important, especially to the heavyweight division. To create that culture. Now, Tracy... To bring, to bring it back to prominence. Uh, Tracy, uh, when we saw you outside on 7th Avenue, you are getting into your Rolls Royce, and we were, had, we were lucky enough to talk for a little bit. I was actually blown away by how much you knew about the technical aspects of boxing. I mean, you were talking about Kovalev's, he was faking with the jab and coming over with the right hand. When you were at a fight ringside, are you watching those technical aspects? Because a lot of times these celebrities don't. Absolutely. And, and I'm watching in detail, you know. If you, you can't go, I was, I went to a fight one time and I've seen a fighter do something that's Rule number one, you never go forward, you never go back. You go side to side. And this guy ran into something pretty hard, and he got knocked out, and he was down, and the ambulance came in. And I said, at that point, a fighter has to turn the page now. I don't think he's ever going to be the same fighter. And he had to, you have to learn to turn the page. And I, like I tell every fighter before any fight that I meet, always protect yourself. Protect yourself. Always protect yourself. That's what the ref says. Protect yourself at all times. It's the number one rule. It's the most important rule in boxing. And yeah, look at Victor Ortiz. He didn't protect himself, and Floyd Mayweather came in and knocked him out. Yeah, I mean, you have to protect. They, they tell you that. Protect yourself at all times. Keep your hands up. 
I don't like when, when fighters become conceited and get cocky and start having their hands down. That's one thing I didn't like Barrero was doing the other night. Keeping his hands down. Don't keep, don't put your hands down. Right. Now, you said you grew up in Brooklyn, of course, uh, around the same time as Riddick Bowe and Mike Tyson. Did you ever have any... Absolutely. Uh, Mark Freeland is my god uncle. He was my family. Me and Mark Freeland grew up in the same building. Wow. As a child, I used to go to the gym with him before Golden Gloves. So he's my family. Like, literally my family. He was my grandmother's god, god son, and he had carried my heart. And he's one of the greatest amateurs of all time. I mean, five-time Golden Glove Award winner. I mean, wow, I did not know that uh, your roots go back that far in boxing. And me and Mike Tyson are real good friends. Now, was it true? I, I was watching you on uh, Kimmel. I know when you, and when you had your accident and you, you woke up from the coma, uh, Mike Tyson called you. Is that true? Yeah, I spoke to Mike Tyson a lot when I came home from the hospital while I was in the hospital. Wow. What did he say to you? He just, he was just, it was beyond boxing, it was beyond fame, it was beyond any of that. He really, really wanted me to get better. He kept yelling at me, fight. I want you to fight. I need you here. That's what he kept saying to me. I need you here. I need you to fight. And because of those words, those encouraging words from my brother, Mr. Tyson, I just fought. I just got better in my therapy. And I worked very hard to get back on my feet. And so when I saw him, when me and him taped on Jimmy Kimmel, he just hugged for about five minutes. And he was just happy to see me here. I mean, we're all happy to see you, man. It's it's great. I mean, you, it's it's an absolutely a great thing. And you, you talk about how Mike Tyson told you to fight. And a lot of times people identify with boxers, and the reason they love the sport so much is because they're the fighting spirit. Is that a big reason why you love the sport so much, being, you know, overcoming so much? Yeah, I love the sport because of the fighting spirit. I love that. I love the way boxers train. I love, I just love when, it, when they're good people, but great athletes. I love that even more, when they're good people. Yeah, I saw a, an interview you did. It's or a great science. It's a great science to get to hit and not get hit. The sweet science. Absolutely. That's what it is. And you can apply that to life. The sweet science, baby. It's the best. It's the, I think I, I'm a little biased, but I personally think it's the greatest sport out there. Oh, oh my God. It's the number one was where it all started, hand-to-hand combat. That's what cavemen did. You're absolutely right. You're growing up in Brooklyn. Uh, did you get into any fights as a kid? Do you remember your first fight? Oh, of course, of course, everybody did. I mean, that's what separated. You know, you you either got picked on or you did the. You know, you protected yourself. My dad was there. He taught me how to be and my brothers how to protect ourselves. He ain't raised no punks. I ain't no bully. I ain't no troublemaker. But I can protect myself. You can believe that. I know how to slip and how to faint. You got. I'm not patient. I'm patient. I'm patient. I'm not patient. You ever? Uh, I'm nine years old now. Now I do it with my mind. You ever think about uh, training and sparring? No, man. Come on. I'm 49 years old, man. Right now, I got in my truck. <laughs> I survived <laughs> that, baby. To get a right hand, I got hit by a truck. That's true. That's true. I mean, I know you're right. But some you know, some of these uh, celebrities, and they, they get into the ring, they think they can fight. You know, like Mickey Rourke and uh, 
Mark Wahlberg, they've all trained at Wild Card Gym, so I thought maybe you might give it a shot. No, man, I'm fighting The truck was enough for me. <laughs> all right, uh, Tracy, before we let you go, uh, I really appreciate you coming on with me. Uh, what are you looking forward to in 2018? Let's say Tracy Morgan is the new commissioner of boxing. For 2018, <laughs> what what do you make? What changes do you make? What fights do you make? Tracy Morgan is the commissioner of boxing. I will clean up the sport. I will try my damnedest to clean up the sport with all my might and make it a fair. I know I understand it's a money making business, but I would just try to protect the fighters more. Now, I do. before we let you go, I wanted to plug your show on TBS, The Last OG. What can you tell us about it? I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, man, I, 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 won't, I won't speak on it because I don't want to jinx it, but I just want everyone to be pleasantly surprised, surprised when they see it. It's grounded. It's not like the Big Bang Theory, not, not against the Big Bang Theory, but it's a little bit more grounded, a little bit more darker. It's real. It's real. It's, it's, it's about second chances. That's great. In a real way. That's awesome. I mean, we're happy to see you back on your feet. Hope to see you more at more fights. One last thing. I did watch an old sketch from 1996 where you played Mike Tyson. Can you give us a little Mike Tyson here? Talk about Inside Boxing Live program. Hey, Tracy, this is Mike Tyson. <laughs> when you get home from the hospital, we're going to get matching fake tattoos and fry some pigeons. <laughs> Amazing. Tracy, you're the man. I appreciate it. It was great running into you at the fights, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in the future at more fights. Right on. God bless you, Dan. Take care. Thank you very much. All right, bye. There it is. I mean, Tracy Morgan. Like, you never know what you're going to get when you go to a fight. Uh, Saturday night, Thanksgiving weekend at the Garden. You know, I was going into it thinking, you know, this would be some good fights. And uh, I always like to see what celebrities are going to be there being ringside. And I see across from uh, the ring our setup I'm with my dad and my brother Nick. And I see, oh, it's Tracy Morgan. Wow. I got to talk to him. So I go over, get a selfie with him. And I think that's it. And then we go, to the, we do the fight. We leave. And we're walking out on 7th Avenue. <laughs> 7th Avenue, me and my dad and my brother are walking up to our car, and we see this giant Rolls Royce, like, sticking out like a sore thumb on the streets of New York City. And there's Tracy Morgan. So we go back up to him, and we talk for about 10 minutes about the fight. And a lot of times you meet these celebrities and uh, these athletes, and, you know, they talk a little bit about the fights. But, you know, I was blown away by how Tracy was – he was breaking down, like, the finer th – the finer – you know, the fine-tunings of the sport. He was saying how he liked how Kovalev fainted with the jab and came over with the right hand. And we sat there and we talked for like about 10 minutes about boxing, and then that's when I asked him to come on the show. But, I mean, how do you not like Tracy Morgan? Especially coming back from everything that happened to him and the crash and, uh, you know, in a coma for eight days. And then uh, I think he has a new lease on life. And a uh, big boxing fan. So you learn something new every day. You learn something new every time you go... Uh, to the fights. Big shout out to Tracy Morgan. Check out his new show on TBS, The, o the Last OG. Been an outstanding show here, Inside Boxing Live. Uh, we have to end the show like we do every episode with the good hook of the week. And uh, this one is a good story, but it also comes from a little bit of a tragic story as well, as I'm sure you're familiar with Daniel Twitch's story, uh, fighter for Rock Nation. Uh, he's on the road to recovery. Uh, Dan Raphael, ESPN, wrote a, uh, an update on the story. He suffered a very bad loss in his last fight. Um, brain started to swell. 
went through a bunch of uh, underwent a bunch of surgeries, um, um, multiple surgeries, and uh, he's on the road to recovery. He can speak. Uh, he has a little bit of memory loss, and you know he's still not a hundred percent back. But uh, Daniel Twitch is, you know, he's doing a lot better than people thought he was going to be doing. And uh, the main story here, though, as you can see, uh, D Daniel's social media, he went on uh, multiple social media platforms to get the word out, is he has a ton of medical bills. They are mounting up. And according to this article by Dan Raphael, uh, his purse for the fight was $10,000. Uh, and the standard 10000 in insurance coverage was, uh, you know, really nothing when you look at the, the grand scheme of how much uh, his the Franco family owes this dude. Oh, the the Fran the sorry the Twitch family owes in, in medical fees. The first day, one hundred eighty thousand dollars. He said the family insurance has paid for some of the bills, but they've spent one hundred twelve thousand of their own money. But right now, they're five hundred and fifty-two thousand dollars. They still owe, uh, and and that does not include the upcoming surgery. You know, his mom works for uh, Coca-Cola. Franco's mom, his dad is a personal trainer. You know, it's, it's just a really sad story. Um, I mean, we're happy that uh, Daniel is on the road to recovery, and it seems like he's going to be fine in, in a few years of more, you know, with the, the right tr uh, personal training and all that. And it's just real tragic when it comes to the promoter kind of uh, not doing the right thing. I mean, these guys have tons of money. I mean, uh, Rock Nation is a promotional outfit that you know, has, uh, uh, they're not hurting. So when you look at a fighter who's going on social media, pretty much begging uh, his promoter to do the right thing and, and help cover some of these bills. And, and in this article, you can see they don't want Rock Nation to pay the medical bills. They simply want Rock Nation to just promote his GoFundMe page. That's all he's asking for. I mean, they're not asking for a handout here. They know the, the danger. He said it in the story. I know the danger of getting into the ring. I know that you can die in this sport. I know that you can get seriously injured in this sport. All we're looking for is to get some publicity for this GoFundMe page. And there it is right there. GoFundMe.com slash Daniel Twitch Franco. Go on there and donate. It's the holiday season. You love boxing? You love everything about boxing and everything uh, being entertained every weekend? These are some of the stories that come along with this brutal sport that we love. Sometimes it doesn't always, it's not always a great story at the end. But, you know, us here at CompuBox, we're going to donate uh, to the GoFundMe page, and we ask you, the fans, you have great fans out there on the Inside Boxing Live. There's great fans in boxing in general. It's a great community. They're the, the, the average man, the, the average boxing fan. They can relate to this story, and you guys will do the right thing, and you will uh, donate to Daniel Twitch Franco's uh, recovery. And hopefully, you know, he can get the, all the money he needs, and he can get back onto the recovery, and maybe he'll be a trainer one day. Maybe he'll stay in the sport. But we're looking for great things there from the Franco family. Uh, but all in all, phenomenal show. Uh, I had a, such a good time uh, being here with you. Uh, special thanks to David Lemieux. Special thanks to the one and only Freddie Roach, and, of course, Tracy Morgan. I mean, unbelievable. Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on the show. Uh, it's, it's been a good time doing the show. I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Remember, Inside Boxing Live is the show for the fans. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the video. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page. I pity the fool who doesn't.